Welcome to another episode of The Working Title, hosted by PJ Harris. Welcome back, guys. So, uh, hopefully, you caught up with the last episode first because this will be a part two. So, this is part two of the profs and dips, the highs and lows of the Royal Marines uh, from their own words, guys. So, uh, if you didn't catch the last one, jump back on the last episode and catch yourself up with that. Um, but if you did, just a quick reminder, what I'm doing is I've uh, approached a, a maze, like an incredible amount of uh, former Royal Marine Commandos, whether that's uh, past, present and serving uh, from a range of different um, timelines. So well before my time, during my time and currently as well. And obviously I've left, so all the way through. Um, and I've got a range of uh, the voice notes that I will play and they can give you their highs and lows in their own words. And then I've got some written down that I will read out on their behalf. Um, as I said last time, as a caveat to everything that gets said, uh, I'm not going to mention any names. If they mention their names and introduce themselves, that's up to them. But I will avoid doing it just so I don't get mixed up and say someone's name that would rather stay anonymous. Um and then, as well as that, guys, anything that's said, uh, any of the opinions shared by all of the guys there of their own, um, and try not to look into it, try not to take any offence if they say anything that you don't agree with, take it for what it is. It's a story trying to give you a little bit more depth um, about what the core's like in the lad's own words. So I uh, hope you get something from it, guys. If uh, any of these things, you want to get in touch with me some, for some more information or any of the specific stories, give me a shout. Awesome, guys. So uh, let's get into... The, uh, the first recording of the second half of the Royal Marines, Pros and Dips. So, best and worst days in the Corps. I've had a long, hard think about this. And they all seem to roll into one. I don't know if that's because I've been out a few years now or they actually come hand in hand. For a yin and yang, for example... Getting a draft to Diego Garcia. Absolutely hoofing. For the first two weeks. Then you realise that the best draft in the core that everyone's after isn't what it's cracked up to be. First two weeks is like a holiday. The third week, the slow realisation starts to settle into your little bootleg brain that that chick that you bagged off on a Friday night in the Brick Club, yeah, she was alright then, but her mate's a lot nicer now. And then you realise, these are the people I'm here for a whole year with. Pickings are going to be slim until there's a new rotation. Or you fall out with one of the lads. It can happen. You're then stuck with that lad until he changes draft. Or, and this is the most likely of the three, if you get a shit hierarchy, you're stuck on a desert island with bad bosses no way of going home. You practically live at work for a whole year. Profs and dips. Another example. Lying in pork chop wood in a shell scrape on your juniors. You've dug a shell scrape. You've been out on night patrols. And you're lying there with your apple. And it starts to rain. So, what you do, you put up your poncho, and then the DS walks around. What's that poncho doing up, lads? It's, it's, it's raining, isn't it, Staff? 
No, boys. No, no, no. That's that's just your imagination playing tricks. You've had a long night. This isn't rain. It's a, a mere idea of precipitation. Take your poncho down. When it starts to rain properly, that's when you can put your poncho up. That's a bad day. You're cold. You're tired. You're now wet. And you're also watching the size of your shell scrape, which you've dug fucking awesomely. You even did a little drainage so the water runs off. You realise that the drainage doesn't do nothing as you're watching it seep in. And it looks like your grave is slowly filling up with water. But it's okay. You're a raw marine. You're not made of sugar. You won't melt. And clues in the title, isn't it? Marine. Got something to do with water somewhere. That was a bad day. And it was made instantly better by looking over at my oppo, who looks at me and says, What on earth am I doing? I'm 35 years old and I'm lying in a fucking hole in the fucking woods with you, you silly scouser. And what else can you say apart from, Taff, I'm so happy that you're threaders because it's a massive boost to my morale. <laughs> At the end of the day, the job that we do, only we could do it. We are the 19, we are the 0.01% because 99.99% need not apply. We get the job done. Sometimes it's shit, but at the end of the day, we're all there for one another. And that's the, that's the major prof of the core is the brotherhood. The lifelong friends that you meet and you'll never forget because they're there for your bad times and they're there probably because they're making the good times. What more can you say, eh? Probably the only slightly eloquent Scouse bloke you will ever meet. So, uh, <laughs> cheers for that, mate. Like, cracking. Um, that poetically puts into summarisation quite a lot of what lads think about the core profs dips-wise. So, perfect. Awesome. Um, let's roll into the next one. So, again... As we've been going back and forth, back and forth, uh, that might change towards the end of the podcast if we've got more uh, written stories than we do audios, but for now, we're going back and forth. So, hit the next one. This guy is uh, incredible, actually. His art is just next level. Um, again, if you are familiar with the core and I'm saying his art is next level, you know exactly who I'm about to talk about. He said he weren't happy if I uh, say his name, but... As I said before, I'm going to leave it out um, just so I'm not slipping up saying anyone's name. But yeah, if you know anything about the core and I'm saying art, you know who this geezer is. So, best worst experiences in the core. I'll start with the good bits. I seem to be one of those lucky blokes that just so happened to be in the right place at the right time and profed a fair few awesome trips in a relatively short career. Literally straight from training, I went out to the Caribbean for six weeks on X trade wings. I've done boarding ops in the Middle East, Optelic, and around Malaysia and Singapore. My favorite trip was to Northern India on Himalayan Warrior, operating at altitudes over 5,800 meters. Yeah, 5,800 meters. 
in the mountains and on glaciers. We spent eight weeks alongside the Indian powers, climbing and do, doing recce troop taskings in an environment that made you out of breath just bending down to do your boots up. By far my favourite unit was 4-2 Commando, where I spent three years in the recce troop as a recce operator, even managing to prof a jumps course. We were, for the most part, treated like grown-ups and had a very good team of lads. We deployed on Herrick 5, the first winter tour for Royal Marines, following on from the Paris summer tour, establishing all the fobs, etc. My time in Afghan was all kinetic. The ID threat was fuck all in comparison to the later tours. Recce Troop had three IED incidents slash discoveries in six months. It was nice to be able to be... Sorry. It was nice to be able to conduct conduct some re- proper recce tasks as well as the troop attacks slash patrols etc. We achieved some great things on that tour and were fortunate not to lose any of the troop. From other lads accounts I think the early tours were far simpler. We had more control over what we did and how we did it. The constraints were far less and we made the most of that. I think the above does summarise my best bits of my seven years in the Corps. I left over 10 years ago now and the endless hours of stag and OPs looking out at nothing but Dartmoor rain and mud have long since been forgotten. The thing I miss the most is the lads, that bond that forms when lads go through hardship together and the merciless gallows humour. I have fallen foul of expecting similar qualities in some of the people in bracket series I have worked with since leaving. The worst bits. I only really have one. The death of one of my very good friends, Rob Frank McKibben. I apologise if I said that surname incorrect. Frank, as he was known, was in 4-2 recce troop with me and we deployed on Herrick 5 together. He was the Wimmick driver and I operated the mounted 50 cal when we were tasked at Mog North Patrol out of the 105 gun group sat in the desert between Nauzad and Musakwala. He was an awesome lad, a mega tall Irishman who was a little older than the rest of us. He had his own ways of doing things, but he was a proper professional and calm operator. He drafted to BPT after our tour, and on his second tour of Afghan, he was killed in an IED strike in his vehicle alongside Marie, Marine Neil Dunstan. I got the news was on a course at Chicksands and it knocked me on my arse. As Frank was from County Mayo in Ireland, there were a lot of security controls on his funeral. I think about 40 of us were able to attend dressed in suits and a core flag on his coffin. I presented Frank's mum with his medal and flag after the service. I had no idea what to say to her and for a long time after I punished myself for not saying more. I didn't feel like I did injustice. Almost 10 years after Afghan and doing the typical bloke thing of ignoring problems that built up to such an extent that I was a reclusive mess, I went through a course of EMDR after being diagnosed with PTSD. The feelings of guilt at leaving the call with mates still deploying and losing their lives along with some of the events of my tour had changed me and it took a decade to address but it has been the best thing I've ever done. I have no idea how EMDR works but it does work and I would urge anyone suffering to look into it. Since leaving the Corps I have found a new passion in art, turning a hobby into a little side business venture 
has helped me give back to the lads. My mission has always and will always be to make paintings and illustrations that are affordable. None of this pretentious overpriced nonsense to the lads who just want to brighten up their grots. I also like the fact that I've designed and been involved with a lot of other bootnet business ventures, making logos, t-shirts, designs, etc. Guys, I think that one is one of the deepest and he does go on to uh, apologise for getting deep at the end and um, things like that. But I think that's a brilliant a brilliant aspect to the core that we haven't really touched on personally yet in these stories so far. You know, that is unfortunately the darkest part of the core is the possibility they might lose someone. It's something that has to be considered, um, accepted, but never, never underestimated. And those people should never be forgotten. So I'm glad that um, I got to say those names in these podcasts. And I apologize if I mispronounced any of those surnames or anything like that. Um, but any of those guys, whether we know their names or not, um, they're, they all live within our hearts of the Wolverines. So... Thank you for sharing that one. Um, and I think that's important to remember as well, guys, that, you know, horrible things do happen in the core. But as that guy in that previous uh, story did say, he was very lucky in the core. You know, he was one of the lucky few that got to do a lot of different trips, even got his wings, which is kind of unheard of if you're not SF from the Marines. Um, so, yeah, awesome. Well done. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, again, he... Is the guy that does art for everything bootneck related. So if you type in art and bootnecks on Instagram, he'll come up. Uh, but if you do want to find out more about him, please get in touch with me and I will forward you on to him. Sweet guys, on to the next recording. All right, guys. So uh, my name's Ryan and um, I've just been asked to uh, basically spin a few dits of uh, my time in the core, sort of good times and bad times. So. Um, We'll start off with uh, training, because what's a drip like without a few training dits? Um, so I originally started out in a 920 troop, and I'd say there's quite a lot of uh, highs and lows in training, uh, mainly lows, to be honest, uh, at the time. So um, I'd say one of my uh, memories that sticks out to me the most was probably uh, one of the most gopping exercises that we did was, uh, was dig X. I just remember it being absolutely freezing cold, you know, pissing down with rain the whole time. And um, me and this one other lad were basically just digging, digging, digging all night. And then we finally uh, got a chance to uh, get our head down for a bit. It was just that cold. I remember us just collapsing in the bottom of this uh, trench and just spooning each other for warmth for a few hours before we had to uh, get up again. And I mean, you know, going through stuff like that in training definitely uh, definitely gets you uh, close to people. Anyway, I mean, to... Uh, Spoon each other for a, for a few hours definitely uh, breaks the ice a bit. Anyway, um, oh god, I always remember being seen off on Sentry quite a few times. You know where uh, you'll be on Sentry with someone, and so, what, the lad that you're with, he'll go and uh, give the next lad a shake to uh, to come and uh, relieve him. So the lad will be like, yeah, yeah, I'm awake, I'm awake. And so the lad that woke him up will go get back in his slug and get his head down, and uh, and then obviously the lad that he woke up. 
we'll just go uh, go back to sleep. So you'll be left there, sat on sentry on your own. Five, ten minutes goes past, fifteen minutes goes past, and then uh, the realization sets in that you're like, ah, they've both gone to sleep, and I'm left here on my own. So that's me on sentry for the whole night then, because I can't move to wake someone up because I'll leave the sentry point unmanned. So uh, yeah, that happened quite a few times. Obviously, uh, that's a bit of a see off, but I always remember that happening. And just you can look back and laugh, but at the time you just absolutely threaders. Um, I remember um, I, I actually got back troops in training um, because when we did our six miler, it was uh, one of the hottest days of the year, and uh, we finished. And I think there was three of us. We fi we finished the six miler. We were stood in the car park at the end. And um, we all just collapsed, just completely passed out, fell on the floor. And I just remember waking up in a hospital with a, a load of uh, a load of uh, wrens standing over me, spraying me with um, spray bottles and trying to cool me down with fans and trying to get my uh, body temperature down a little bit and just being like, God, what the hell happened? So I had to um, spend a couple of days in um, in the uh, in the hospital at like CCC, and then uh, basically got stuck here. Uh, stuck in a troop uh, behind mine, so got back trooped. Um, when I came to do it again, obviously passed it the next time, but um, God, yeah, that, that sucked. Obviously getting taken out of your original troop quite light, late in the day as well, because I think that's week 26. Um, but you know, it's just that's just one of those things. Um, and then when I finally did get through to my commando tests, you know, it was a, it was a really hot day again. And I remember doing the 30 miler and I think it was two or three lads actually got pulled off with um, heat exhaustion and it actually ended up in an ambulance having to get like um, taken back to base. And I was just shitting myself the whole time thinking, oh God, I do not want to go down again with heat stroke, worried about what happened to me on the six miler. Finally, got, we got all the way through, you know, obviously, you know, run over the bridge at the end. And uh, we all got told to just jump in the air, jump in the stream under the bridge because it was just such a hot day. And I just remember lying in that stream, calling off, thinking, oh, God, like one of the best feelings ever. And then obviously about 10 minutes later or something, we got given our green lids and it was just, yeah, it was just the best feeling ever. Made all those shit times through training worth it. Um, so when I uh, got my green lid, I then got um, um, posted to 4-2 Commando down in Plymouth. Um, I was in Lima Company, which you know was brilliant. We um, we got sent out to Afghan um, shortly after that, and um, what we were doing was um, rather than being at a fob like uh, most people, we were actually doing strike ops out of um, CAF, which was brilliant because we basically got to go where all the action was, like um, wherever everything was kicking off, or there was like a high priority target or anything. We got sent to that place, and we'd sort of you know do what we needed to do, and then stay on the ground for a few weeks. Um, just to sort of see what was going on, like check out the atmospherics and see what would happen after we, you know, did what we needed to do. Um, you know, it was good because it was always somewhere different. It was always interesting. It was brilliant. But obviously, like the downside of it was we just did a lot of yomping all over the place, just miles and miles and miles every day between villages. And it was just, oh, just absolutely red as it was, it was real tough going, obviously carrying a lot of kit, just constantly walking around all the time. And then because we couldn't carry much kit, um, we obviously didn't have any room for a slug or anything like that. So whenever we sort of finished up for the night and decided to stay where we were, we, we you know, you just had to sort of find a bit of shelter, you know. You, and it, at night in Afghan, it gets absolutely freezing. So you didn't have like, you know, a sleeping bag or, a, you know, a roll mat, nothing. You would just be like basically sleeping where you could find, you know, sometimes you get, a, uh, you get like a compound with a bit of shelter. 
you know, you could find somewhere pretty decent, but otherwise you were literally just laying on the floor <laughs> in the elements and it was, uh, yeah, pretty gopping to say the least, but, you know, it's just one of those. Um, but then obviously once you're done and, you know, you finally get home and you, you know, you do what you needed to do, you know, you look back at it and you just think, God, you know, it's, it's character building. You can't believe some of the stuff that you achieved when you were over there. You like, you know, look on a map and, you know, figure out how far you've walked and how much weight you carried, some of the situations you were in, you know, coming under enemy fire, you know, you know, obviously without going into too much detail, but some of the, the experiences that you have out there, you know, were just crazy. You, you know, you're just so lucky to come away, you know, in one piece sometimes, you know, obviously a lot of people don't, but you look back and you just can't believe what you've achieved. I think it's just, uh, you know, you learn a lot about yourself. It's, you know, as bad as an experience as it was, you know, it's, um, you know, you look back and actually it's, um, you know, it's really good. Um, Obviously, that's all sort of like that's me dripping about all the shit stuff in the core, like you know, not to put people off, but obviously, um, you know, there's some real good points as well, some real, some real sort of highs too. So, um, you know, things that sort of stand out in my mind. I always remember getting back from Afghan uh, on Herrick Nine, uh, the first time I went, and um, we got to go on this um, skydiving trip, like to do our sort of um, skydiving training over in Orlando, sort of like just like our civic course, not like our jumps course or anything. It was just like a um, bit of a jolly. So I remember it was like mega cheap. Like we hardly had to pay anything for it. It was all subsidised for by the Corps. And we went over there for a few weeks and we were just like skydiving every day. Every night we were just going to bars and drinking. There was like a real good group of lads that went there, you know, obviously lads that I'd been in Afghan with. And it was just absolutely brilliant. Like one of the, you know, one of the best times I've had. And obviously like if you'd have done that, you know, in Civvy Street, you'd have paid so much money to do that. But yeah, that that was brilliant. I mean, that was a, uh, yeah, that was probably one of the best sort of uh, times I've had in the Corps. And then um, after I got back from um, Afghan the first time, I actually got drafted to um, 847 Squadron, which is um, over at Yeovilton as like a, a door gunner on the Lynx helicopters. So um, before we got deployed to Afghan with those, um, we did some um, pre-deployment training, which is, um, we did that over at El Centro um, in America. Um, and it's quite near San Diego. So we were quite, we were there for like quite a few weeks, obviously doing all like, you know, just like a pre-deployment training. We did like an exercise on the run from like um, the border force, things like that. It was, um, you know, obviously in case you went down behind enemy lines and stuff, you know, it was, it was tough, but it was all like real good, interesting stuff. Obviously just working with like the, um, you know, the pilots and obviously like the naval engineers, stuff like that. So it was, uh, it was interesting. But we, um, one weekend, I remember we got to have a, a run ashore in San Diego and we, we went and stayed, um, I think it was, um, it was an American military base. I can't remember what, I think it was, an, I think it might've been a naval base, I'm not sure. But um, we basically got to have a couple of nights out in San Diego. Um, yeah, and, and that was absolutely brilliant. That was, you know, again, one of the best runs ashore I've ever had. You know, it's, it's stuff that just stands out in your mind. You can remember for like years later, um, you know, so it's not all like, you know, free, freezing your tits off on a sentry post and, um, you know, just um, carrying heavy weights for miles and miles. You know, there's, um, there's definitely some real high points. But to be honest, now that I've left and look back, all those times that absolutely sucked, you look back at me, just think, do you know what? Like, I, w I wouldn't change it for anything. You know, it, it was brilliant. Like, I'm glad I did all that stuff. I think it sort of makes you the person that you are um, today. So, you know, you sort of say them as, you know, they're shit times or, the, you know, the worst times. But actually, those worst times, you know, as long as you come out of them in one piece, are actually, like, again, really some of the best times you have in the core. Um, but, yeah, so that's about, that's about it. Just a bit of an insight into, a, you know,
into my uh, time in the Marines. Um, you know, if anyone's thinking about joining, hopefully that doesn't put you off. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that's it. Cheers for listening, guys. Waz, mate, thank you very much for that one. Again, guys, like that's another some really personal stories there but also showing some waz times of the core and some really shit times of the core and training so uh we're really starting to build up a brilliant picture in this whole podcast i know we're sort of knocking on a bit now you know we're over an hour but i'm hoping you're sticking with it guys or you're coming back to it because there's still more to come um and it just wouldn't be right to break these up so they're all in one podcast awesome uh thanks very much mate on to the next one that i will read out as word for word as best can my biggest prof of being in the core. Number one, adventure training. What an absolute sick opportunity. The old saying, civvies pay thousands for this, is very true. But being a civvy now, the opportunity to go piss it up and ski, kayak, climb, etc. just doesn't happen. Not for the price. Number two, the deployments. I miss the thrill. I miss being overseas. I miss the feeling of being at sea. Number three, I miss being around the lads. Having a group of men that you get on so well with, your bond is so tight, there's literally no secrets between the lads. Unless you're Jack, but then people know who the Jack ones are and they get outed. It's hard to remember the bad times when you're out, but for me, I can't rejoin because they won't allow me medically, so I'm not in a position to be back in, even if I wanted to. The dips. Number one, being in the field on shitty pointless exercises, cold, cold, wet and hungry. Yes, it's part of soldiering, But when you have been in the field for three weeks on the third exercise of the year and it's only March, you're thinking, why the fuck am I here? I could be in a normal job with a nice warm bed. Number two, some blokes, when they become sergeants, just turn into cockwobbles. It's like a part of their course. It's learn how to stitch the lads up. Number three, spending most of your soldiering career moving stores out of one shake into another just to rearrange and count the stores which haven't been touched since the last muster. <laughs> Overall, my career in the Marines was an absolute must for me. I needed it. I joined when I was 18 and it carved me into the man I am today. It gave me great outlook on life and experiences, which 100% helped me be in the job as a copper today. I would recommend it to every young man to attempt it. If not, just join the military in general. If you're not up to the challenge of the Corps, the military, regardless of which branch, is a great experience to travel and be like a grown-up child and to get to serve your country is one of those things people would get if they never went for it glad i was one of those men who did awesome so yeah another one guys that just shows you know yes you might not have all the best bits in the core but you might not have all the worst but it's a good sort of like general understanding of ups and downs of the core let's get on to the next one where to start with profs and dips have been in the core. Uh, there's been plenty of ups and downs, somewhat of a roller coaster. Uh, from shit sandwiches with a pint of piss chaser, how does that taste? To wicked times away with the men like. But um, probably the biggest prof that I've had was during my time boxing for the Royal Marines and the Royal Navy. Uh, I'd you know, many fights with them, but a real standout moment was 2018 boxing in the Combined Service Championships final. Um, the Army had held the title for 34 years, and uh, on that night it came down to two bouts left between the Army and the Navy. We needed one win, and I was given the opportunity 
to box the army's boy. Um, managed to beat him uh, after I cut my eyebrow open and uh, dislocated and fractured my shoulder, but still managed to beat him. And um, the Navy were crowned the Combined Service Boxing Champions 2018 for the first time in a long, long time. So that for me was a real standout moment. And to do it in Aldershot, the Army's back garden, was even more sweet. Um, and obviously all the lads were there and the coaches and everyone off the board and my friends family there so it was a really really special moment and one that I'll always um, look back fondly on there's been um, plenty of dips about being in the car um, it's only now when asked to think about them that they all come flooding back and I'm holding back the tears but you know from doing stupid booted runs for no reason when they've spent years developing nice trainers to run in but fuck it we'll do it in some old bags and get your feet smashed up to um you know cutting my curls so it fits under that damn berry to there's all types of stuff that annoys me but i think the biggest crime was just time wasted as i've become a civvy now and I look back and I think what's, what really annoyed me was the amount of times you would sit down lines on a Friday till 12 o'clock because the BFA needed its wind mirror changing. So 10 minute job, we'll just have all the lads down till 12 o'clock. Bearing in mind you live 100, 200, in my case 320 miles away from camp and you just want to get home, You've done nothing all week. Let's waste some time just sat here. Just, I think back and we just wasted hours. Um, sat down lines playing ping pong or fucking doing some dumb shit so for me yeah as as much as there were so many shit sandwiches for me just the complete loss of time is the big big winner there you go guys yet another sort of example of a slightly different aspect of of the core you know the sporting opportunities uh, opportunities for boxing and and all the other sports as well we've got a couple more on um hopefully if we can get their stories on this one of, of different sports that should elaborate on that but yeah you know there is big sporting opportunities within the core that carries uh higher weight than than uh, outsiders may think um and then another good example of like how day-to-day -day stuff can just be sometimes the worst part of the core just pointlessness and bullshit um gives you a good little aspect of that sweet um we've got another recording straight after so uh, let's get into it right i suppose the biggest prof uh, for being in the core uh, at has anybody seen at it's it's like a rare as rocking horse shit and uh, and if you get on it it's uh, it's unbelievable. Civvies would pay thousands for this men, so I suppose the biggest prof would be securing some form of AT. And for me, I think it was skiing a bit of downhill with the the lads, uh, and uh, it was uh, yeah, it's just great fun because uh, it involves skiing, and you can't believe that you're skiing, and uh, and you can't believe that you're on AT because you never even knew that it even existed. It was just a myth that the uh, the core likes to tell people is a thing and uh so yeah so yeah going skiing with the uh, the lads uh from six troop and uh and if you know what six troop run ashore looks like then you'll <laughs> then you'll know that uh it was interesting and uh and some great skiing great skiing lads in the egg black runs um getting amongst it and uh, and nearly putting themselves in serious uh, A and E 
had been nearly casavacked off the mountain <coughs> um, in, in a in a flurry of day sacks, day sacks, helmets and uh, and ski poles. Uh, biggest dip, I think. Uh, yeah, what's the biggest? Di- well, to be completely, you know, yeah. Let's have a positive dip and an absolutely shit dip. Uh, positive dip, I suppose, uh, is being that man that has to empty out that uh, that plastic bucket of dreams after an exercise and uh, and empty it. And if you're chosen to be that loyal hero, uh, then you are emptying a bucket containing thirty blokes worth of um, shizen. And uh, and again, if there's no blue juice in there, it is horrendous. I I very fortunately was never an Elson an Elsonier, and uh, and I'm very proud of that. It's one of my great achievements in life. And I suppose the other negative dip is is losing losing friends and seeing friends struggle, um, which is one of the sad parts of the job. Um, and and if people are struggling, I hope that you have the courage and find the the light to go and seek help and speak to your friends because. Don't struggle, okay? And that's uh, that's for me, Commando Sundar. Profs and dips. Thank you. Out. You have got to love a pusser's sign-out. So uh, anyone that is um, familiar with the term pusser's, it's anything that's navy um, or, like, issued. So uh, a pusser's sign-off of out is wise, and I love it. So uh, thank you very much for that one, mate. Um, touched on some really good points. Um and that will hit quite a specific generation of bootneck as well that will really be able to relate to that one. Um, but also what uh, he said at the end there um, about reaching out, guys, if you are struggling, not just PTSD or tour related or losing people related, if you're struggling mental health wise, reach out. Um, if that means reaching out to a mate or, or me or someone that you vaguely know just for a little bit of a vent or a chat, then do that and if you're struggling just that little bit more um look at out for rock to recovery guys r2r on um instagram and stuff they're an incredible charity um and they will help you out to no end the guys and girls down there are just phenomenal what they do um and i could only hear good things for them so um thank you very much for that one uh next one let's roll into another one from my mouth so <laughs> from uh, another little readout Depending on what way you look at it, I was either fortunate or unfortunate enough not to go to Afghanistan. Throughout training, we all believed and could picture ourselves soon being over there. This is what would be on the forefront of your mind throughout most of those eight, nine months. So to end up finishing the eight, nine months being told you were going to Fleet Protection Group, which is 4-3 Commando up in Faslane, was initially a low Uh, a bit of a low. However, those first two years were probably my favourite out of my six, seven year career. The job was contributing towards why I joined up in the first place. We are being used operationally. I got myself into a specialisation which was busy, but it was busy repeating the same training and never putting it to use. I wouldn't wish for bad in the world just so I could go and do my job, but also seeing Constant news about places like Syria and Libya would make you annoyed that you were you could probably be of use somewhere, but likely was not going to happen. So that's quite a short and sweet one, guys. But I think that really does um, explain it and summarise it really well. And it and I'm sure you can sort of 
see the themes coming up with the different generations of bootneck serving um the ones that got a lot of kinetic time the ones got a lot less um and i hope it's clear that it's not a thirst for war guys it's really not and i hope the guys that did serve don't see it as naivety that the young guns wanted to go out and do the job and they see it as what it is that they wanted to do the job that they're trained for um and I, I think everyone that I've spoken to does feel that way um, and shares that same attitude. But um, I'm hoping you can see the the, the themes starting to appear um, about what life is like in the course. So awesome. Thank you very much for that one. As I say, short and sweet. Uh, let's go straight into a, another recording. Rightio then. Best and worst times in the core. Yeah, well can't really talk about worst times in the core without talking about training um yeah it was fucking leaping um yeah it's where it all started but i was 16 years old straight out of school straight out of school grew up on a farm um bit of a crabby cunt to boot which didn't fucking go down well obviously that made life a bit difficult for me in the early days um yeah all right so you learned a lot there and you made some friends there for life but Anyone who thinks it's fun to be standing up to your fucking chin in freezing water with a rifle over your head all night, mate, that's not my idea of fun. <laughs> so, yeah, that's up there. Um, worst times in the core? Um, I'd say Norway's probably up there as well. Um, yeah, some good times in Norway. Obviously, the skiing and the, the skidooing and being towed around and all that. It was a bit of fun. But uh, sitting in a troop chain on skis, waiting for some bloke to pick himself up, get his bergen on, falling over three more times. And just as you get moving again, the next bloke falls over, making progress of about 10 metres a, a minute. Yeah, I don't think that was uh, a lot of fun either. I mean, when, you, when you're in the field anywhere, in, in the UK, when you're in the field, yeah, you can be wet and miserable and tired and your shoulders hurt, but at the end of the day, you get three hours in your bag and that three hours is three hours of morale when you're nice and warm and toasty. But then you go to Norway and you get three hours in your bag and you just fucking lay there gibbering, looking at the blokes around you gibbering, thinking about how fucking cold and miserable you are. <laughs> so that's up there, yeah. That's up there with um, worst time story. But the, yeah, it's a good piss up, but it's... It's not a good enough piss up to make up for the <laughs> for the fact that it's fucking Baltic twenty four seven. Best times in the core. Going back a bit, but I'd say yeah, uh, Telic One was probably one of the highlights for me. Um, no IEDs, no suicide bombers, none of that nonsense. Just um, you shooting at them and them shooting at you. I was a I was an attack P team then and just scooting around wherever the contacts were, so that was a bit of fun. Um that's definitely one of the highlights. I think uh just the blokes with it goes without saying, the blokes that you, you meet and the blokes you work with, some of the fucking creatures I worked with that I'll never forget, but some of the laughs that they give you. Um that's that's up there, it's one of the best It's definitely one of the highlights. Um yeah, and I said the, the the real toughest time of uh, it, toughest time in the core. 
I mean, the, the deployments are highlights. That's definitely where you want to be. That's what you. That's what you train for. That's what you want to go and do. Um, barrack life can be fun with the boys, but a lot of, just a lot of the bullshit. Never always struggle with. Um, but yeah, the low point I think is definitely going outside. Um, yeah, it's pretty scary. And even now, I got I went outside six years ago, and still. Um, it's difficult. You miss the boys. You miss the the banter. Uh, Civvy Street. It's a difficult place. You misunderstood and you can't understand anyone else. You you out there with the best of intentions and your moral compass is pointing in the right direction, but a lot of blokes pull the uh, well, a lot of civvies. I mean, um, pull the piss out of that. Take advantage of it. You know, the band they don't see banter. They're offended by everything. They'll see your work ethic and just let you do everything and sit back and um, yeah, it's hard to find your place once you go outside so I'd say that's probably that's one of the low points um, anyway it'd be interesting to see what everyone else says another sort of great point there that I don't think uh, any of the other takes has uh, takes on this has sort of uh, touched on is that time that you leave and dealing with uh, that work ethic of Royal Marines compared to civilians now this isn't saying that all civilians are lazy or or all war marine or all war marines are specifically over sort of energetic with their work that's not what we're saying what we're saying is um as a collective of people the majority of war marine commandos will have an extremely high work ethic they will do things without being asked they will use initiative and they will grind 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 until that job gets done usually beyond what is expected of them um, and we're not saying, as I said, that all civilians don't do that. But I think it's important to know that as a collective of people, the majority in the Royal Marines will work like that. And in Civilly Street, Civvy Street, as this guy has expressed and I have also experienced, and I think many, many others have, the minority have that similar work ethic. Um, and usually they have a history in some type of military service that's just the way it is um so that is quite important to remember guys he's not saying that everyone but that is a fact of it um now if you're looking at that as from the outside in um from a civilian point of view and you sort of notice that or, or don't accept that then that's a fair one but um i think it's it's a fact that you know he's mentioned it and it is a common theme so it's important to know that if you are going in or thinking about joining the marines when you do come out, you will have a higher work ethic. It's an important tool to have and an important uh, attribute to gain. But just don't let people take the piss out of you. Um, you know, human nature is, is is if you give an inch, they'll take a mile. Um, and that's the same with everyone. Everyone wants the best deal. So if you if you say to a boss, you know, I'll do that extra bit for you without getting paid for it, he'll start expecting it and then he'll want more and more and more. And that is just human nature, guys. Everyone wants more for their money more bang for their bucks so just be careful don't let anyone take advantage but also stay true to who you are um, and represent what you earn um, in terms of becoming a warm room cool on to the next one another one that i will read out for you guys so uh, apologies for my gopping voice here we go my worst time in the core recruit training almost killed me the usual honking bug was making its rounds back and forth through the troop while we were in the commando phase of training. 
everyone is run down as is normal and you just crack on as you are meant to. We got to pool to learn beach assaults and get colder and wetter and then go out on final X. It was January and my 21st birthday and I felt honking. Like a heavy head cold was inbound, we did the beach landing at night and got drenched and yomped through the night and the snow and it carried on snowing throughout the whole exercise. But we were soon to be bootnecks and bootnecks crack on. Everyone enjoyed the whole exercise and we were all eager to start the commando test the next day we returned to camp. I remember feeling really run down but thought we all felt like this. We just had 10 days in the field. We ran through the, the tests and those of us who passed were awarded our commando flashes at the end of the 30 miler, which we had to do on roads as a troop in under seven hours due to Dartmoor being snowed in. Ouch. So for you, uh, so a quick pause there guys, usually the 30 mile is done over Dartmoor, which is um, uneven terrain and it's done in eight hours. So this uh, gentleman is saying we had to do on roads as a troop in under seven hours due to Dartmoor being snowed in. The next day we went down to the stores and had our hard worn berets tossed at us by a storeman. It was 1991 and that's how they did it back then. I started to feel worse throughout King Squad. After the pass out parade, I went home for a long weekend before being due to join 40, 40 Commando Rumwinds. I had a chest infection by then. Due to being able to finally relax after months of being thrashed, I went down big time. I ended up with pneumonia, with blood clots on my lungs and being in hospital bed and multiple drips 24 hours a day. I was taken into hospital for weeks while the lads deployed to Turkey on Op Haven. I was gutted. I then got med medically downgraded and had to do Provi, so that's essentially like telling people off, at the Commando Training Centre, CTC, until I fully recovered. That was also honking. Though I finally made a full recovery and joined Alpha Company at 40, many months later, looking back through the physiological effect it had on me was huge. Inwardly, it smashed my confidence to bits. That's a pretty uh, deep, bad time, but as he says, check flashes, you cracked on. So, the best time was being at 40 as a young Marine in a fighting company. Norway, deploying to Northern Ireland, ships boarding teams on ops in the med, ribs and fast roping from a helo onto merchant shipping on operations was awesome. I loved unit life, apart from parades, etc., I never saw the point in that ever. I was very lucky that 40, sorry, excuse me. Uh, sorry, I just lost it. Here we go. Uh, I was very lucky. Oh, sorry. Here we go. <laughs> I was very lucky that 40 were very busy and had some hoofing trips in my time there. It was exciting and the lads were awesome. When I miss it, which I do, I remind myself that I was very lucky to pass the test and to get to be part of something very special and that since I joined the uniform has changed three times and it's some someone else's turn now plus I'm 50 now and would no doubt put my back out or pop my knee if I tried doesn't mean I haven't given up though that's not something we do awesome guys so I think how many times have I said awesome I'm annoying myself by it Anyway, that one's a great one because it shows that other 
aspect to it, guys. A little bit more further behind um, in time, so a little bit older generation of bootneck than we've seen before. You know, he mentioned Northern Ireland and and some other operations that were sort of quite back in the day, as they say. Um, so. Yeah, it, it shows that there's still that common theme, even back then to the guys that are still serving now. There's that common theme of um, the shit bits and the good bits. So thank you very much for that one. And let's roll into yet another recording. Smashing for them, guys. There was a few, there's a lot of low points, a lot of high points uh, in the core, for sure. Um, you know, take training into account, it's pretty horrendous, eight and a half months, grueling tests and pressure. But I think my lowest point in the core was probably when I was pinged to become a signaller. So what that means is I had made my decisions in terms of a path direction. I wanted to become a sniper and then go special forces. So I'd been at a, um, a fighting unit for about a year, a year and a half, been working up towards my um, sniper's qualification where you have to do a set of tests to pass to get into the, to get accepted onto the course, which I did. Um, I was accepted to start the course. However, the week I, I started, so it was the Friday and I was going to go and start this course on the Monday, I was told I've been taken off of that course due to the fact that they needed more people to become radio operators. So I was going to the same location, which was Limpston Commando Training Centre, but I was no longer going to be on the sniper's course. I was now on the radio operator's course. That was a low point because I had absolutely no interest in becoming a radio operator or a combat communicator. Uh, it was hard as well because I was, on the, I was on this course at the same location. I was watching people uh, on their sniper's course and you know that's the direction I wanted to go in. It, killed, it really did probably kill uh, my love for the core, to be honest with you. So I spent... A year and a half, two years as a, as a radio operator before they allowed me to leave and do something else. But my motivation for the core had just gone. It had worn thin on me. So becoming a, a combat communicator, being pinged for it, completely killed uh, what the core was for me. So in essence, it's the reason I left. Um, so I did six years and left. High points for me. Um, high point for me within the Marines was passing out, of course, uh, and joining the unit. It was just great, but weirdly, Afghanistan was a high point for me because it was the time where you really got to prove yourself. Um, you're working with some amazing guys. You get really, really close. You become really reliant on each other. So Afghanistan, as much as there was a lot of low points in Afghanistan, for me, I, I think back quite fondly of Afghanistan. There was lots of other high points. We, you travel a lot in the Marines. You do some really cool stuff. But I guess if I was to only pick two, uh, it would be those. Incredible. Cheers for that one, mate. Um, again, brilliant, brilliant bits, brilliant stories, uh, really giving us a great outlook, uh, a great coverage of, of what the call's like really for the lads on the ground. So perfect, guys. We are we are moving on. We're trucking through. Um, I've literally been stopping and starting this, this little uh, project, if you like. So we're on to the second podcast now, the second episode. Um, so the first part I've literally just released just to keep you uh, in the loop with real time. So that's just gone out, guys, so make sure you get onto that one. Um, and we're coming to the last few, guys. So the last few stories that I will read out in the last few recordings. So uh, let's get into one of the last ones that I'll read out then. Hard to think of the best time had lots over the years. 
FPG RM 2006 R Squadron, Tartan Eagle trip to the States. The USMC lashed us up with an absolutely hoofing few weeks on the ranges in the sun with use of Skills Village, think Sennybridge, on steroids. After a few days cross-training in the skill houses with simunition and yank weapons, we were tasked to take down the village with all assets we needed. UMC, USMC would play enemy, being the world's best fighting force, in brackets. <laughs> we smashed it, and the American officers came out giving a gleaming report about our professionalism. They took our officers away for a breakdown and to pick their brains as they had SWAT SEALs and different SF units from all over the world run through the village and at that time we completed the fastest and with the least casualties they'd ever seen. However, Royal being Royal, whilst officers worked with the Yanks, the lads had thought of a new way to pass the time when left hand <laughs> when left hand handed stone throwing, right hand on hip got a bit boring. We introduced the USMC grots, grunts to spoof. The loser would have to stand against the wall, pants down, and take a sim round from M16 slash M4 from each of the other lads who played. Fucking hilarious. Obviously a, a yank lost with multiple false calls. After this lad had about Taken about five sim rounds from what <laughs> from about ten meters, his R started to look like bootneck Stacy's after a good weekend in Arbors. We all then got onto the big yellow American school buses to head back to the camp and a weekend on the piss in Virginia Beach. Whilst waiting for the officers to load up, we decided to see if we could topple the bus running from one side to the other. Also hilarious. With that all, the officers who had been blowing smoke up our asses an hour before came out to see a, a scene of carnage, questioning if we were the same Marines <laughs> he had just seen in the village. In return for the USMC lashing us up, we treated them to a yomp up Ben Nevis in a snowstorm. They fucking hated it. We top flapped their bergens and cracked on whilst they bitched and moaned. Had a good piss up in Edinburgh, which saw the Yanks on Cinderella leave back by midnight which led to multiple bed-tipping incidents when the lads got back. Bad times. We forget the bad times. I'm not one to bitch and moan, but don't get me wrong, there are plenty of missed weekends, shit blokes, with shit decisions, but as the old saying goes, life in a green suit. That's an awesome one, guys. Um, that that trip that he's talking about, I know a lot of lads can uh, empathise and sort of... Um, have similar stories to that working with USMCs and, and things like that. And I think that perfectly sums up the, the attitude of bootnecks, you know, one don't leave them unsupervised cause they will fuck something up, but, um, mainly work hard, play hard guys, you know, yes, they'll roll through a, a village and, and smash the exercise and, and do what they need to do to a massive high level of professionalism. But as soon as they have downtime, they will just let loose, don't take themselves too seriously, and they'll just crack on. So uh, awesome, awesome uh, dip that one, guys. Um, let's clear a few things up. Uh, USMC is obviously United States Marine Corps. Simunition is like paintball, but on steroids, so it comes out of um, issued weapons and, and hits a little bit harder, a little bit more accurately. Uh, SWAT, not sure what it is. Uh, actually stands for or SEALs but it's just different special forces units things like that um, if you've never tried to do left-handed stone throwing right hand on hip try it it's hilarious obviously if you're left-handed do it the other way around 
Um, spoof is a game that uh, Royal Marines play. Um, it involves three coins, um, non-emotional sentences, um, and lots of men have got tattoos as a result of losing that game. Uh, boot next, Stacy. Uh, pass. Won't explain that one. Um, and yeah, guys, so uh, that'll do. Uh, ben Nevis, if you're unsure with that, is a massive mountain in Scotland. And Cinderella Leave. Cinderella Leave is um, just when you have to be back by midnight, so like curfew. Awesome. Uh, on to the next recording. Hello, mate. Um, first of all, I apologise for it taking me this long to, to get this to you. I've just had my head firmly planted up my fucking sphincter for the last couple of days, trying to homeschool the kids, keep on top of work, juggle projects, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I won't bore you with any of it, but um, I'm finally getting around to it. So let me spin some dips and uh, I hope they're good. Um, Right, there might be a couple, so, you know, take what you want, ditch what you don't, um, let's do it. So, some of my my best memories in the core, I'll try and do this chronologically. One of the, the funniest times for me uh, in the core that always stands out for me was when I was in training, and I think they all do it differently now, but it was back when we did the commando tests first and then we went into field firing one and two and final x so for me um stupidly once i got the physical stuff out of the way i thought okay cool i'm happy now because that was that's not what i was looking forward to i wasn't looking forward to the 30 mile and all that kind of stuff but was looking forward to field firing and putting all those skills into place so i think when i got to that stage of training i kind of relaxed a little bit which i shouldn't have done and there was one particular time on field firing too where we were getting thrashed, funnily enough. And the whole troop, there, the training team picked out a tree in a distance and they said, right, to that tree and back pays to be a winner. So on the way to the tree, you know, in a, in a sea of about 25 blokes, I saw a bun line coming up. So as we all ran over the bun line, me and my upper were in the middle of the pack, I dragged him, I grabbed his collar, and I dragged him to the deck. And I started giggling like a little schoolgirl. And I'm like, Sammy, listen up. What we'll do is we'll let the rest of them run to the tree. On the way back, we'll pop up, middle of the pack, fresh, energised, and then when we get close to the training team, we've obviously got fresher legs than they have. We'll sprint, we'll win, then we won't get thrashed anymore. Good idea in theory, in practice, not so good, you know. So we did what we had planned. The the guys came back. We popped up in the middle of the pack, got close, sprinted, acted like we were hanging out and we were out of breath and we'd been thrashed with the rest of the team and thought we got away with it. However, we did not get away with it. And then uh, a couple of seconds later, the shout came, Ormrod, white man. Get over here. So we went over to the training team, got a firm, firm debriefing, and then proceeded to be thrashed to the tune of 10 times more pain than what we would have got initially had we just joined in with the pack. With the rest of the troop sat there eating their scran, 
watching us. So that was a particularly, that was a funny, it was a bad time at the time, but looking back on it, um, it's one of the main memories that I have from training. And very similarly, you know, a little while later when I was deployed to Iraq, uh, something similar to that happened, which if it had gone wrong, could have been a lot worse. But basically, uh, one night, me and some of the lads had driven back from Iraq to Kuwait to an, an American base. And we were all sleeping on the deck or underneath vehicles and that kind of stuff. So we tried to nick some cot beds. And it was night and we broke into this compound, this American compound full of kit and equipment. There was JCBs and diggers and all that kind of stuff in there. And we proceeded to break into the storage shake on for the cot beds. Unfortunately, we we didn't get caught. We nearly got caught. People were alerted that we were there. And so we were chased through like a maze, I guess, of shake-ons and equipment by the American sentries. They never saw us. They never got eyes on us. They knew we were there. They heard us. So we're running around at night with cot beds on our shoulders, trying not to get shot. And then one of the Americans, um, it was very dark, but we could hear him, made his weapon ready, cocked his weapon and made it ready, which is a point when it started to get a little bit real for us. And I was fortunate that I found a JCB. I jumped up in the scoop, hid in the scoop of the JCB until they had gone, ditched the cot bed, and then managed to get out without catching up a round um, in my ass. So, you know, another funny memory that could have gone terribly wrong, but fortunately didn't, and something that stands out. Now, in terms of my worst times in the core, obviously, there's a time that I played hopscotch in an Afghan minefield and lost. That was a terrible time for me in the core. But um, I think in terms of, you know, a safe and miserable time um, when I really wasn't happy, was it's just another training day. And it was that, that exercise, uh, Dig X, where you wear a full... Cat 3 Romeo NBC suits, you do some dopey insertion yomp, fully rigged up, you spend God knows how long digging into the ground in, I don't know if it was the same for everybody, but we ended up digging into some sort of slate area, which was really difficult uh, to do, and then after being attacked and having no sleep all night and and having dug all night and being sweaty in this NBC suit you then do this this daft uh exit yomp you know another yomp out so that that was probably throughout the whole of training for me the most miserable that I've ever been (laughs) and I hated it with every second uh that I took part in it that's probably this is a couple of bits you know, some funny, um, but generally, you know, you only really remember the good times, I think, as, as bad as they are at the time, some terrible times, um, when you look back on them, you look back on them with the fond memories, and uh, you realise that actually, the times that you think were bad, actually weren't that bad. Mate, I hope they're okay. If they're gash, let me know. I'll try and think of some more. Apologies again that it's taking me so long to get this to you, but I hope that you can use it.
what a cracking mix of uh, ops dits, training dits, life in the core dits, and and all that. Like absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much for that. I'd love to give this guy a shout out. I know he's uh, he's got lots of stuff on social media. He's mega out the front. He's done podcasts and stuff in the past. So if you do recognise that voice, guys, make sure you hit him up. Um, I can't remember if he did say his name in there or not, but does or doesn't uh just take that a little look at that boys but i think that's a great example of uh jason fox at the moment is going on about uh type one and type two fun um and that last little bit that was just said by that last bootneck was uh a perfect example of that and what made me by that is type one fun is when you you're having fun at the time you're enjoying it and you know you know you're enjoying it and then type two fun is all those shit times that you look back afterwards and go actually that was a decent experience and on reflection and i think a lot of good times and shit times in the core um are type two type two fun you know later on you do look back fondly on it and that's why you forget some of the bad bad times um because some of those bad bad times actually aren't so bad once uh, time looks after it so uh, another was little story guys let's go through um our last one that I'm reading out, guys. So last one that I'm reading out, and then we're going to hit straight into our last or second to last. I think it might be the last recording. So let's do it. All right, Royal. Sorry it's late. Have you noticed a theme here, boys? Almost everyone's been late or apologise for being late. Classic badmin of the bootneck. Anyway, honestly say I've never really gyp- dripped much whilst in the core. One time I thought I'd dripped when I was on deployment, dipped while I was on deployment with Esquadron in the med. As part of a boarding team looking for weapons slash drug smugglers and got flown home early because I was on a mortars course, which was a prof because that's what I wanted. The dip is I got back to England to find out it had been cancelled, so I was threaded to be brought back early for no reason. But the saving grace was about two weeks later I got a phone call to see if I wanted to go to Diego Garcia. Proffers. So had my mortars course not been cancelled, I wouldn't have gone to Diego and uh, Garcia and had the best year of my life and career. And there's plenty of dits that have come from that island. Awesome. A little short and sweet one there, guys. But I think that actually hits a really good point that I'm not sure the rest of them has really highlighted is the, the flexibility you have to have with your life. Um... I can remember countless times where we were meant to be doing something about to be doing something and it cancels last minute or you get flown back from something or flown out to something and it never happens. So that's an important thing. If you are thinking of joining, just be prepared to be flexible, um, prepare for the best. Uh, sorry, prepare for the worst, expect the best sort of thing. No, hold on. I'll get this right. Uh, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. There we go. So... <laughs> Always be prepared that it's going to turn out shit and not work and, and be not what you expect it to be. But just hope for the best. Keep that um, attitude up. Keep that bootneck spirit up and, and you'll smash it. And that was a sort of a decent example of it. You know, profs do come. Um, not always, but they do come. Awesome, guys. We're almost there. Thank you for sticking with us. I know this second episode is even longer than the first one, but I wanted to get these last ones in. So uh, let's fly into the last one and then we'll have some uh, closing statements from me. Hi, my name's Dean and I served at 4-5 Commando. The profs that I got for serving in the Corps was that I obtained my driving licence straight away for Leckensfield, so that saved some money. Um, gone straight to 4-5 Commando, I went straight into FSG. 
as a sprog, but then I was assigned as a gunner in the SF role, so I was around a lot of senior guys, and I learnt a lot for them. Also, Abseil doing Murrayfield Stadium, representing the Royal Marines in front of thousands of rugby fans, which was pretty cool. Went to Albania, done live shooting, also done black light and silent uh, clearances and caves, done the kill houses, pretty dangerous stuff, but um, seemed a little bit less uh, permitted over in Albania and a lot more dangerous, but also a lot more fun. Also had the opportunity to do the Acne Carry Speed March, representing Zulu Company 4-5 Commando, which was an honour to do, the original Speed March. Also went to uh, um, California, done Black Alligator, uh, worked a wee bit with the United States Marine Corps, and then the stand-down for that, we also went to Vegas. Also, last little bit of prof, for what I can recall, for what I remember and recall, is that I'd done some riot training, played enemy for the Wyos, and we also scrapped with them, which was also very fun. The cons, a little bit less. Being part of the FSG, as a sprog, I couldn't really develop as much as the other grabs, we'll say, in the other parts of the, the company, because half the time we were on higher ground on the burn line, and we weren't actually doing there with them, but it was one of them pros and cons. Boozing is encouraged, we'd say, and I was quite easily led, considering a lot of people in my family are alcoholics, but it never got at hand. But sometimes it did, we'll see. Last bit. If anything, this is where I actually did get screwed over, and it did piss me off a little bit. Um, I had my chit in um, to leave the core, done my seven clicks, and then pretty much I was getting loaded onto a mortar course, but then I put my notice in, and then I went to my sergeant major, I says, look, Give that to another lad. I've got my notice in. I think that'd be pretty jack for me to do a mortars course when a lot of lads would be waiting out who'd been pinged and all sorts of stuff waiting to get loaded on a course like that. And uh, he went, right, sound. I thought that was the best thing to do, be the better man. Um, and then after that, my sergeant major shafted me and put me in drives for my little shorter um, end of my career, which was only for a few months, but I still feel like I got done over. But that's my little story. Hope you enjoyed. It's almost sort of like poetic justice, isn't it, to uh, finish with another Gotham accent from uh, north of the border. Um, perfect, guys. And that, that brings us to a close. That brings us to our, that was our last recording. Um, quick closing statements from myself before I get into uh, some quick thanks. Um, awesome, guys. I think and I hope that gives uh, potential bootnecks or... Uh, potential bootnecks and people that are thinking about joining the military or the or the marines a good sort of wide range of actual stories and actual profs and dips and gives you a good perspective on what life in the military and specifically the Royal marines is like um i hope it maybe not gives you whether you want to do it or not but it just gives you more information that isn't really out there that brutal honesty those those stories that aren't usually told to the, the wider audiences and probably shouldn't be told to your mothers and missuses you know it's those types of stories that really make up the core you know they're an unapologetic gentlemanly fighting force and you know when they need to be they're absolute thugs and lo lovable rogues and when they need to be they can you know represent the country um whether it be at sporting events, Remembrance Sundays, you know, they have the ability to do both. And there's very few regiments or corps or uh, groups of men that are able to do that, um, able to be that ruthless killing machine, um, hilarious laddie banter, 
the your best mate, the sensitive shoulder to cry on, and the professional outlook as well, you know, and they really do encompass that. So um awesome guys. Uh there was a lot a lot in all of these both these episodes um so if you haven't seen uh, listened to part one please go back and listen to that as well as i said at the beginning guys apologies for some of the quality it is all a bit mismatched because i wanted to get it from the points of view and the the voices of the people that actually did it um so yeah awesome guys uh lastly before i sign off thank you so much to everyone um that took the time to write something down or to record something and send it over to me um every single one of those dits whether you went into a lot of detail or a small little statement was so incredibly useful for me personally um and even at the very least you know i hope that you boot next that listen and did contribute can sort of go on there and have a little chuckle to yourself and reminisce um, and relate to some of those other stories um also thank you to all the guys there was there was many many bootnecks on there that did say you know i'll get something to you um or it maybe even sent something through and i've missed it um thank you again to you guys you know the intention was there to help if you didn't get round to it or or even i've missed it and not put it in that's my apologies um but yeah thank you to you guys as well for for at least thinking about it um yeah so uh thank you all for listening hopefully you got something from it please get in touch with me please like and share it guys um i think this is going to be a very valuable tool for decades to come um at very least it will just give other lads a good laugh when they think about all the drips and profs that people add in the core so uh thank you very much for your time guys thank you for listening to the working title and uh see you on the next one thanks for listening to another episode of the working title a podcast hosted by pj harry's remember Do something that makes you just a little bit better every single day.